So I'm really going to focus on uh, on this relationship between uh, cooperation in wrongdoing and uh, conscientious objection in medicine. So I'm firstly going to focus on doctors who refuse to perform to perform abortion. I will mostly refer to Catholic doctors because the Catholic doctrine on this topic is very clear, and um, so it's very easy to understand uh, what is. Uh, complicity in wrongdoing in the Catholic doctrine. But I think that most of these arguments about complicity in wrongdoing and performing activities that people believe to be moral could actually apply to um, other religions and actually also to people who don't mm, have any religious approach to ethics at all. Um, so the debate on the topic of conscience objection uh, in medicine um, is um, um, refers usually to three three main approaches. Um, there is the absolutist approach and the uh, compatibi compatibility or um, moderate approach and the incompatibility approach. And very briefly, according to the absolute approach, uh, doctors <coughs> should have the right to refuse to perform any kind of activity they consider to be immoral. Um, uh, so that goes from informing a patient about therapeutic <coughs> option to referring a patient to a colleague to refuse to perform an abortion or any other activity. Um, for instance, I think there was a legislation in the States that um, was then changed in 2009 that allowed even people working at the hospital to refuse to tell people entering the, in the hospital where the doctors who performed abortion were, even if you were not a doctor or a nurse, just uh, uh, at the entrance of the hospital. So that's kind of extreme uh, absolutist approach. And this is the approach that uh, the Catholic Church shares. So you are, should be allowed to refuse to do anything that facilitates someone in getting an abortion. Then the moderate approach says that um, well, doctors should inform and refer their patients, uh, either directly or indirectly, uh, but they're not, they shouldn't be forced to perform the abortion or any other treatment they consider to be immoral. Um, and I think this is the most common view in the literature about conscientious objection. I thought that Julian uh, was on the incompatibility view, saying that it's not really compatible to be a doctor and to perform a conscientious objection, but now I think that he's more on the moderate side, and I think I'm left alone with perhaps Robert Hart uh, <laughs> sharing the incompatibility view, according to which actually doctors shouldn't have a right to uh, refuse to inform, refer, or to perform. They should just perform all the activities that um, the patient thinks are beneficial and that the scientific community regards, uh, considers Mm. Well, beneficial for the patient. So, if the patient has some crazy request uh, that um, it's going to uh, really be against uh, the um, therapeutic options in that legal system, well, I agree, doctors should have a right to refuse to perform the treatment that even wouldn't count as a conscientious objection, I think. Um, but anyway, um, I'm not going to defend the incompatibility, incompatibility view here. Uh, because the legal frame in which uh, we live at the moment doesn't really allow for that, except for Sweden and a few other countries. 
uh, in all other countries, uh, the laws reflect the moderate approach, according to which doctors, again, have to inform and refer, but they can say, oh, I'm not going to do this. Someone else will do, and I'll tell you who. So the common view is that this, um, this moderate approach is the approach that strikes a balance between uh, the right to the moral integrity of the doctors and the right of the patients to get the treatment they want. Because, um, in theory, the thing goes like, well, uh, yes, patients perhaps have to see more than one doctor before they can have the abortion. But surely, uh, the right to, be, to obtain the abortion is not violated because eventually someone will perform this abortion. And in the same sense, um, yes, the doctor um, <coughs> has to suffer a little bit of infringement or the moral integrity because they have to inform the patient and to refer the patient to someone else. But still they're fine because uh, it's not a big infringement of moral integrity because they don't have to perform the abortion themselves. So that's fine. Everybody's happy and everybody wins. I, I don't think this is correct. I think that actually everybody loses and nobody wins in this kind of solution. And I'm going to tell you why. And this has to do with complicity in wrongdoing. <coughs> so uh, there are different questions about complicity in wrongdoing. Um, so this is the question whether um, complicity in wrongdoing comes in degrees. So whether we are uh, accomplices in wrongdoing to smaller to bigger degrees, and uh, and whether these differences in degrees actually matters, or whether what matters is not how much an accomplice you are, or whether you are an accomplice or not. So the degree is completely irrelevant. And whether you can actually think that there is an intrinsic degree of complicity wrongdoing uh, in every uh, activity, like informing, referring, and performing. I'm going to explain you better what I mean. So according to Dan Brock, in his um, influential paper on conscientious rejection, he said that well, of course, a doctor who informs and uh, refers a patient um, is an accomplice in wrongdoing. But he's less of an accomplice in wrongdoing compared to a doctor who actually performs the abortion or the euthanasia or anything you want. And so he seems to attach a degree of complicity to all these three groups of activities. So informing very little complicity referring bigger complicity and then performing maximum um, complicity. Um, well, I'm not sure this is true uh, because I think you can think of examples in which um, um, this is not the case. For instance, if you live in a town where all the, um, the, <coughs> the doctors are performing the abortions for like are all right, let's think about uh, <coughs> morning after pill, where all the doctors will sign you the prescription for the morning after pill and all the pharmacists will give you the morning after pill, but just a few doctors will tell you that such a pill exists, or perhaps just one doctor in the whole town. I think that the doctors uh, who tells you about this option is more an accomplice in wrongdoing than the ones that just gives you the pill because you could get this information from from someone else, and indeed, the, um, the fact that someone tells you and informs you about an option, I think it perhaps involves a higher level of degree than actually performing the activity, 
Suppose that people didn't know that they can have an abortion, or suppose that people didn't know there is such a thing as uh, morning after a pill. Um, well, then having that information actually is the activity that starts all this chain of events that will eventually bring this person to have an abortion and to kill the fetus. So if you care about killing the fetus eventually, I mean, that, that's very relevant. So I'm not, I'm not really sure that Dan Brock is right when he thinks, okay, well, uh, we should <coughs> give doctors the right to refuse to prefer, perform activity, but then, you know, informing, referring is always okay because uh, complicity in wrongdoing is minimal. We would have to take into account different contexts and see whether in that context, what is the percentage of doctors willing to perform the abortion, and what is the percentage of doctors willing to give this information, and so on. So we, every time a doctor would have to consult this um, very difficult uh, calculation machine and uh, assess the exact degree of complicity for each activity. And I think it's just not feasible in practice. Um, and I also think that this idea of attributing intrinsic degrees of complicity doesn't work. But also, even if it were true anyway, <coughs> that we can have different degrees of complicity, and I'm not even sure about it, um, would that matter for Catholic doctors or for people who don't want to perform any activity related to abortion? Um, it wouldn't matter to them. <coughs> So they would feel like their moral integrity has, have been, has been violated. And uh, then Brock or others can spend a lot of time telling, but no, look, this is a very minimal violation of your moral integrity. But if you're a Catholic doctor, uh, I mean, your church um, will, uh, would expel you. I mean, you would commit something considered very bad from your church and from your priest <coughs> and from the Pope and from yourself. So I don't think that uh, it's an argument that's gonna reassure anyone. Indeed, like I wanted to to read to you what the Catholic Church has to say about cooperation in wrongdoing. <coughs> so according to the Roman Catholic Church, complicity in wrongdoing is the realization of an act that helps another person <coughs> perform immoral activities by participating directly and voluntarily in them by ordering, advising, praising, or approving them, by not disclosing or not hindering them when we have an obligation to do so, and by protecting <coughs> the doers. So I think that it's pretty obvious that according to the Catholic Church, any activity that um, allows someone to perform an abortion is morally wrong. Indeed, um, they say very clearly in another document that um, Catholic uh, politicians shouldn't even vote for for legislation allowing allowing um, abortion or euthanasia or anything. So for them, <coughs> it seems to me like complicity in wrongdoing is a switch on, switch off button. You either are accomplice in wrongdoing or you're not. And then whether you are accomplice or not to a smaller or higher degree doesn't matter. Um, so what about the patients instead? So, so far I think I've tried to persuade you that um, Catholic doctors or doctors who really care about the moral integrity shouldn't buy the moderate approach and shouldn't be happy with the legal framework we have in most countries in the world right now. But are patients benefiting from this, from this compromise? Um, 
I think no, they're not. Um, and <laughs> this is for um, for some basic reason that <coughs> also Julian was mentioning, like when you force someone, doctor, to do something they really have strong objections to, <coughs> they usually mess up. Um, like we had this uh, this case, which uh, would be funny if it were not tragic. Uh, this thing happened in, in Italy last year. There was this doctor who really didn't want um, their pa his patients to to have an abortion. But then when she was um, looking at the, at the, the fetus um, ultrasound, uh, she realized that an arm of this fetus was missing. And so she, she decided uh, not to tell the parents that the fetus was going to be born without an arm. And she said, oh no, it's all perfect. From the ultrasound picture, it looked like the, 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 the fetus is super healthy. And then the fetus was born without an arm, and the parents asked, okay, why didn't you see this in the ultrasound? And she actually photoshopped the ultrasound, <laughs> trying to <laughs> pretend that, you know, she... But, you know, uh, the legal trial started, and they found out that she has been lying and deceiving and photoshopping an ultrasound in order to prevent his parents from having an abortion. Uh, and there are hundreds of these cases debated <coughs> in the European Parliament of doctors who just tried to uh, do whatever they could to deny their patients access to the abortion, just postponing and uh, mm, you know, making very difficult, also being very rude uh, to patients. I mean, we, we, we tend to, to believe that, well, you know, if, if, if the doctors uh, are not objecting well, they may agree with this, and you know, they're they're gonna do the best they can to help the patients. But we have a lot of examples showing that is not the case. So I think that um, that doctors who um, who don't want to perform abortions actually uh, should not have any kind of contact with patients. I think that. Um, I think that the best solution actually would be uh, to have doctors who are conscientious objectors um, and they can object to all sorts of treatment, of all sorts of interactions, so they don't have an obligation to inform, they shouldn't have an obligation to refer and to perform an abortion. Um, and the other doctors should be the ones who are really keen on doing all the activities that the patients may require. This means that we would need to rearrange the structure of hospitals and to have a percentage of doctors who are absolute, if you like the expression, absolute conscientious objectors. So they have like something on their code and on their door saying conscientious objection, don't ask anything about abortion or euthanasia or whatever. Um, and then the other ones, are the ones who perform every activity without trying to <coughs> hurt the access of patients to get the abortion. Of course, uh, this should start from medical school because it may be too late. So I think that we should, uh, uh, that you know, people who want to study medicine uh, should go through to different patterns, the ones who can object and the ones who won't object, and the ones who are not interested in conscientious objection. And I think that since we want to maintain some efficiency in the system, we need to evaluate <coughs> this percentage 
So perhaps we can have like 20% of conscientious objectors <coughs> and 80% of non-conscientious objectors. Perhaps it's 10 to 19, 30 to 70, I don't know, it's a typical <coughs> question. Um, is this a form of discrimination? Um, I don't think it is because we're not selecting on the basis of religion, we are selecting on the basis of activities people are willing to do. So if I say to my university, yes, I'm really happy to be a lecturer, but I really hate to mark essays, I think they would have a reason not to hire me or to put me in the 1% um, lecturers which are allowed not to mark essays if there is such a thing. Um, but if some people think this is still discriminatory, I think it's a justifiable form of discrimination and I will bite the bullet. I will see that in the name of e efficiency, it's some, a form of discrimination we can accept. Um, so <coughs> I also think that you know, we can, uh, uh, we can uh, well, once a person gets a job as a non-conscientious objector, um, they, should, they shouldn't be given the option of changing their mind um, unless they want to be relocated to another hospital because, well, I come from a country where we have a very big problem with conscientious objector. We have a, how many minutes? One minute? Uh, no, we'll come. Mm -hmm. No. No, you've got the time. Okay, sorry, because I thought you were saying something. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> Uh, we have uh, a very um, high percentage of conscientious objectors and some hospitals tried to hire people um, saying, okay, we're just gonna hire non-conscientious objectors. We're hiring doctors who perform abortions because we have a big problem of backstreet abortions and um, so we need someone doing this. And they were hired and after a week, um, they had this sudden religious conversion and they all became uh, Catholic <laughs> and nobody wanted to perform abortions anymore. And then they had again the same problem over again with all these doctors not willing to perform abortions. Um, so I think that this shouldn't be an option and I think it should be just fair to write in a contract that these are your duties and if at some point you decide that you don't want to perform one of the activities, we have a right to seize this contract. Uh, but every time I, I make this claim, people think I'm really being crazy and irrational and uh, evil. But I think it's just fair. This happens for, with, for most contracts. I don't know why this kind of contract should be a special case. Uh, there are other options we can use if we don't want to go to such extreme and have this percentage of conscientious objector to non-conscientious objectors, if it sounds really too <coughs> extreme. Perhaps, as I was mentioning before, we should just give, um, actually test how genuine is the conscientious objections of these people and say, okay, we're gonna decrease your salary and your holidays, how much you're going to sacrifice yourself for, for your faith or for your deeply held views. Um, I think that we would uh, radically diminish the percentage of conscientious objectors, even in hyper-Catholic countries like Italy, where we have 80%. I think we would end up with 8% or perhaps less. And uh, I'm pretty confident about this because a lot of the doctors who are officially conscientious objectors um, actually perform backstreet abortions. So there must be something weird happening there. I can't believe it's a deeply held objection. 
Um, I think we need this kind of um, percentage, though, this proportion between conscientious objectors and non-conscientious objectors, also to make sure uh, that um, conscientious objection doesn't actually become a form of boycotting laws supporting or allowing abortion. Because suppose that you had this very powerful movement, it doesn't have to be religious, but like pro-life movement, and they invest all their energy to get all these doctors in the <coughs> hospital. And then, you know, we uh, de facto, we couldn't have any abortion anymore in that country. Uh, but if we make sure we maintain this proportion um, between conscientious objectors and non-conscientious objectors, we, we perhaps make sure that this doesn't happen. And uh, um, actually we have all this information about how the percentage of conscientious objectors kept increasing in Italy over the fif last 15 years, and it's, uh, it, it hasn't been increasing. Um, I think at some point we'll end up with like 99 or 100 percent <laughs> percentage of conscientious objectors. So I think we really need to do that in, in countries like Italy, but also in other, in other countries. I don't think that's just an Italian problem. Um, if you look at Poland, it's even worse, and South America, and a lot of other countries. <coughs> So yes, this is my modest proposal in order to resolve the problem, solve the problem. Um, it is very difficult to, to, to actuate in practice because this would mean that a lot of people would be fired or you know, would have to be moved to other hospital. It is indeed very impractical. Um, but this is the only option I can see if you really want to have some sort of moderate approach to conscientious objection. Um, which uh, I repeat, I, I, I try to deal with on a practical level, but I don't share on a purely theoretical level. And that's it. Thank you. Mm -hmm.